Good morning. Today's verse is found in John chapter 4, verses 35 and 36. Please read with us. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Before I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Happy Sabbath. It is such an honor and a privilege uh, that we can all come together and, and worship Christ uh, and, and, and his blessings for us. Um, I just need to get, have one thing for just a second here. As I bring out just a few things that I might need in, in my message today. So, I don't know if... It, do we have any visitors here today? Can I see your hands? Okay, a few visitors. Great. Welcome. Thank you for coming. We hope that you come back again, unless you're out of town, in which case I really don't care. Come back again, okay? I, we would really appreciate it. Um, I am not the pastor, so uh, please, if you don't like today's message, come back, because he will be here next week. Um, you know, it's absolutely awesome that God gave us one day where he blessed it, and he says, hey, you don't have to do any work. Just worship me. Learn more about me. I was reflecting this week on Edward. The mic on? The mic is not on. Thank you. Okay, testing up here. Are we good? I saw them waving, and I'm like, okay, maybe I just wave back like the queen. That's good. Thank you. I, I didn't really trust them to keep the mic off while I was singing, so that's why I must have turned it off. You know, I was, I was reflecting on Eduardo's message from last week in terms of always giving thanks and his message on Job. And that really, Job really resonates with me because there are times that we go through in our lives where it's absolutely wonderful and then it comes crashing down. And then we think, wow, God blessed us here, but he must not like us here. But that's not true. See, when we go through life, we're going to have those ups and downs, and God doesn't promise to, to not have us go through challenging times. He promises that he's going to be next up to us, walking with us and helping us through that. And what we learn from that is we're going to be able to then help others who have had those same challenges. In fact, I can guarantee you that no matter where you are today, no matter what you're doing today, you are intended to be where you are and do what you do at this very moment. But God has even better plans for us. And I will also tell you that he doesn't want you to stay where you are and stay doing what you do, but to continue growing and to continue bringing love and happiness to people. In fact, in fact, he wants us to show others his love by exceeding their expectations. Now, we're going to transition from Thanksgiving, giving thanks all the time, into Christmas. And as I started to think about Christmas and all of the 400 prophecies or so that are in the Old Testament 
where prophecies were made about Jesus' birth and what he would do here on earth, I started thinking, man, there had to be a lot of things that happened before he arrived. So a lot of things in the Bible that had to line up. I mean, there were prophecies about his lineage coming through David and, and, and how all of that would play out. And, and I thought, okay, let me go back and just take a look and see where, some, where there's a story that we've probably heard, but maybe not really thought of as in-depth. And that's where we land today in exceeding expectations and how at the point of decision, where the decision was made by somebody, it changed the course of history. I don't know how many of us can say that in one decision that we make, we change the course of history. But with this story today, I hope that you'll be able to follow along. Um, the story is out of Genesis 24. But what I'm going to uh, start out with is Zig Ziglar says that when you do more than what you're paid to do, you will eventually be paid more for what you do, right? You can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. Exceeding expectations. When you do something, you, you usually ask, well, what, what are your expectations? What somebody's expectations are, that should be our floor. That should be like, well, yeah, that, that, that should be us, right? That, no, we should always look to exceed the expectations. And today, we're going to look at a woman who went above and beyond for no other reason than it was in her DNA. Shall we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together today. And Lord, I ask that you please speak through me, use me, and may we hear what you want us to hear. And Father, this morning there was a request in Sabbath school for Chris Witt and his son, Tayshawn, who are looking to accept you as their Savior, and they've discovered that going to a Seventh-day Adventist church is what they should be doing, and I just ask that you please work on their hearts. Thank you. In your name I ask. Amen. So, the story that we're going to cover today is about the hunt for a wife for Isaac. Now, if you recall, Isaac's mom had passed away, and Abraham went to his trusted servant, and Eliezer, and said, hey, I want you to go and find a wife for my son. Now, um, I know that there are arranged marriages, and uh, I worked with a guy one time who he, he said, hey, I'm going to be going over to India, I'm going to meet my wife, and we're going to get married. And I said, don't you mean you're just going to get married? And he says, no, I've never met her. In fact, I just spoke with her a few days ago on the phone. I'm like, ha, ha, okay. Because they did things in an arranged marriage. Now, I started thinking about that, and I thought, you know, there's some things that might be good in that you're expected to be with that person for the rest of your life, and it was tradition. For me, I was thinking, the, the, benefit, the big benefit for me was what to do and how to interact on the first date. Okay, y'all think back to your first dates, okay? You go out for the first time with somebody. Now, I don't know if, if, you, if you're like me, but here's my way of going out on a first date, and my wife can testify to this. I have three by five cards written out because the first thing is you don't want there to be a dull part or lull in the conversation. Second thing, 
with your first date, you don't want to ask yes or no questions because that's too easy, right? Did you have a good day? Yes. Silence. Okay, so, so there are certain things. So I wrote out questions on three-by-five cards. Three or four three-by-five cards did it. I put them down on the side of the driver's side. We're driving along. I could just look down. I was not texting. There were not phones back then to text. And, and we, we had a real good conversation. As a matter of fact, my wife's a great conversationalist. She kind of took the pressure off me on that. And, but, but then came dinner, and we went out to eat uh, at a pizza place. And I love pizza. I love cheese. I love a lot of cheese. And so it was one of those that you could build your own pizza and then send it back, and they would bake it. So we sent it back. It was like piled this high, right? And it came back, and it was kind of just stacked about like this. And we start eating. And again, I'm trying to reference my cards without her noticing. And she's sitting across from me. And I'm thinking, wow, she's really into this. And then all of a sudden, this turned into, and she pulled out a big chunk of cheese. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Here I found out she was actually choking to death and not really interested in me. I'm so glad that she didn't hold that against me because, uh, you know what, she is an outstanding person and I couldn't imagine anything better for me. But in a, as an arranged marriage, you don't have to go through those awkward dating stages. You're just expected. But the downside of arranged marriage is I don't know if I would want my parents to pick out my mate because, really, it just wouldn't work for me. But here's Abraham saying, you know, Eliezer, I want you to go to the land where we used to live, a little distance away, and I want you to pick out a wife for my son. Now, this is very important because, as we recall, Christ was going to come through Abraham's lineage. In fact, remember when, when God told Abraham, you are going to be the father of so many, it's like you can't even count the stars, more than sand on the beach. And here is the biggest challenge now is to find a suitable wife for Isaac. So Eliezer says, okay, I'll go. I'll go. And, and he loaded up 10 camels with all sorts of gifts. Now, this is amazing because when we start thinking about it, and this is what I want to try and show you today, is kind of the extent to what this, this did. 10 camels with all the goodies. And they go on this journey, and the Bible says they traveled uh, in verse 10, they, they, they traveled to distant Haran in Syria. Okay? Makes it just sound like a trip. It's a distant trip, maybe, you know, one, two days. No. The distance that they went was 600 miles. How many of you have ever ridden on a camel? There's, there are a couple, okay? I rode on one for two laps around this little circle thing. I can tell you it's not a comfortable ride. Not at all, for those of you that have ridden. They're not really lovely-smelling animals, okay? Just saying. Camels, 10 of them, and they're all on the road, and he brings his posse along with him to help with all the camels. Now, camels can walk at about three miles per hour, okay? So three miles per hour, and this was a 600-mile trip so, let's do the math, for those of you mathematicians. That means it's 30 days, because they could go about 20 miles per day. 
Now, three miles an hour, 20 miles, you're thinking probably seven, about seven hours a day riding or walking beside this stinky beast in the hot sun. And I don't think they had showers out there. Okay, so 30 days later, here's Eliezer. He arrives, and all the way, you know, for the past 30 days, I'm sure he was just thinking about, how am I going to know? How am I going to know who the right person is? I mean, I'm going to this town. There's probably a lot of, a, a lot of really nice young ladies. Who knows? Did you know that in the Bible, um, the, the, the well was a place, was a pickup place, basically? Because all of the women, and usually single women, would go out there to get water for the evening dinners as preparation. See, they, men, I guess, were too weak to carry these buckets of water back, okay? So women would go there, and, you know, so Eliezer did the smart thing. Hey, where, where are women? Well, I'm going to go straight to the well. So he goes to the well, hot, dusty, dirty, looking for the perfect wife. So, you know, when you're looking for the perfect somebody, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to have a little divine intervention. Okay, I'm just saying. Eliezer asked God, he says, O Lord of my master Abraham, and this is verse 12, he prayed, give me success today. Not tomorrow, today. Isn't that amazing? Give me success today, because I I don't want to be here all that long. And show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring, and young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. Oh, it was a bold request, too. For those of you that don't know, I'm about to reveal it. For those of you that do know, you know it was a bold request. I'm going to ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels, too, let her be the one that you've selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know. Okay. Again. Thinking about this, it's one thing to give a stranger a drink. It's another thing to say you're going to fill up the 10 SUVs with gas that just came with it. Okay? And yet, in verse 15, it says, Before he was done praying, God had answered his prayer. This is amazing. God knows what we want before we even ask for it. I'm so thankful Eliezer asked God that says, you know, Please uh, give me success today, because clearly we could have gone on for a few days without him having any success. So here is Eliezer. He says, could you please give me a drink of your water? Here's lovely Rebecca. Why, yes, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get water for all your camels. Now, I found out this morning, thanks to my son, that this is not a five-gallon bucket, but... Rebecca, usually the women in those days had five-gallon buckets, okay? And they were pottery urns that they would take down. Does anybody know how much a gallon of water weighs? Eight eight point what? Close, 8.3. I'll give you the 8.9, either or, because we know that it's not just a gallon. She she would be carrying five gallons of water. So let's just say that's 40 to 42, maybe 43 pounds of water. Okay, it goes down. Now, the wells there didn't have little nice ropes that you could draw water up in. No, they were down in a pit, and people would go down there 
and scoop up the water. They didn't have buckets like this with a nice big mouth. They had little pots that, that they would hold under the water and let the water in. And then she would bring the water up and put the water over here next to the camel. Now here's the question for you. Do you know how much water a camel can drink in three minutes? Anybody want to guess? Five gallons? A what? About a what? Oh, bathtub full. That's very close. Yeah, bathtub full. You're right. So according to um, West Texas A&M University, a thirsty camel can drink 53 gallons of water in three minutes. Okay? So you got all these thirsty camels. So I'm going to just kind of round that down, thinking maybe they had a little bit of water left in the tank. Let's just say 50 gallons. You can even go 40, but let's go 50 gallons. 50 gallons of water. A bucket holds five gallons. How many trips would she make to fill up one camel? Okay. Okay, kind of get the picture. How many trips would she have to make to help all 10 camels? 500 trips. Okay, now this is where it really gets good, at least for me. So, here's Eliezer. And then he sits there and he's watching Rebecca go back and forth. Now, as a dad, if, if, you know, a prospective daughter-in-law were there doing something like that, you would think that you would ask them questions, right? Like, so what do you do for a living? Do you like your folks? No. What did Eliezer do? He was silent. I'm sure he was thinking things like, oh, Rebecca, have I got a great proposition for you? You just have no idea. Oh, 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 Becky, the way you, you did that, you know, you, you filled up that third camel so nicely. Oh, I just, man, the, my master son is just going to be so excited to have you as his bride. Okay, I'll spare you the 90 to 100 minutes that it would take for her to fill up the 10 camels, literally. Can you think about that? He didn't talk to her for an hour and a half while she went from the well to give the camels water. When she left the house, she only thought she was going to go and get five gallons of water for dinner to wash the pots and pans. And she was there for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes, helping a stranger to not only get water for himself, but to water his camels. And on a side note, I think this is actually brilliant that Eliezer asked God that she would water his camels because he didn't have to do it. Just think. I mean, he's, you can't put the camels down in the well. You have to go and draw water for them. A huge ask. There wasn't a rope. Each time Rebecca went down, she had to bend down and pull up. We're talking about 43 pounds of water, maybe a little more, 45 plus the pot. We're talking about 50 pounds, taking it up the stairs, over to the trough, and back. 
This morning in Sabbath school, we talked about helping others. And Eduardo, you, as you were talking about that, I kept thinking, would I have been willing to help a stranger and carry 50 pounds a lot of times up and back to water the camels? And my response was, probably not. In fact, I know not. In fact, my family would say not. I might do it once. But the powerful part of, this, of, of today's message, and, and one of the things that I think is so important that we draw out, is that it was, in, it was innate in Rebecca's DNA. When things, when you are born with, some people are born more caring than others. I, you know, have you ever noticed that? And when you, when you have those innate gifts that God gives us, and you're willing to go beyond the expectations and to do more than what you're asked to do, God uses that as a way to show others his love and what he wants to bring to us. Man, her innate character, her DNA, to mingle with strangers and be willing to take an hour and a half, maybe two hours of her time to actually help the stranger and the camels. In Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White says, success in this life and success in gaining the future life depends upon a faithful, conscientious attention to the little things. I am the first to admit and confess that I overlook a lot of little things. And I'm ashamed to say that there are a lot of times that I not only have not exceeded expectations, I, probably, I know I haven't met them, and, and, and that's, been, that, that's part of a challenge. I think, for all of us. Now, Rebecca gets done doing all of this, and she thinks the work is over. Here's Eliezer. Thank you, Rebecca. Hey, look, um, I just want to show my appreciation. Here are some bracelets. Here are some really cool jewelry things. You know, Rebecca's like, wow, I, I didn't expect this. This is great. And then Eliezer surprises her again and says, hey, can I come over to, to your house, to y'all's house, and have dinner? I mean, you're down here, you're getting the water for dinner. It's been, oh, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours later, can I come over for dinner? And Rebecca's heart again was in the right place. She said, yes, come on over. In fact, bring your camels. Oh. You know how much it takes to feed a camel? I just told you about the water, let alone the feeding of the camel. So Rebecca brings home these strangers and the strange camels. And she goes home and she tells her uncle, Laban, hey, I brought some guests for dinner. Seriously, you were gone for two hours. You haven't even started dinner, right? Okay, but then Laban saw the jewelry on her. Ha ha, ha ha, my brother from another mother, come on in. Let me bring you in here and let me set you up. I'm going to have everything, the finest things for you. And oh man, your camels are more than welcome to come in and just eat and eat and eat and eat. Laban, too, was trying to exceed expectations. But here's the difference. Rebecca exceeded expectations out of her love, compassion, and desire to help others with no expectation on the other end of getting anything. Laban saw the good things that Rebecca had been given for exceeding the expectations, and he imagined himself getting more. Ha! Ah, wow. 
if Eliezer gave her a few bracelets, just think what he'll give for dinner and a house for camels and him. For a month. Must be in line for a lot of things. Laban's motives were not in the right place, neither was his heart. When we take a look at this, we take a look at the two ways that oftentimes we may try to exceed expectations. Sometimes at work we want to exceed expectations because we want to get a promotion, we want to get a huge raise, we want to get a bonus. Uh, All of those are okay, but it's not in our DNA. We need to have a heart like Rebecca's that says, I'm going to be a servant to you and help you in wherever you need me to do. Now, Laban wanted, you might recall, Laban wanted them to stay there for a while. Stay here. And, and, and Rebecca, uh, had, they had already asked, hey, are you gonna, can you come back and, and um, meet your new, uh, your new uh, groom and, you know, your father-in-law? And, and Rebecca said, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I will. Sight unseen, not knowing anything about, just, okay, yeah, sure. Right. Wow, Okay. Laban was like, oh, you know, you, you need to stay a few days, rest. The camels are tired, man. You've been out on the road for, out on the sand dunes for 30 days. You need baths, you need to get all your stuff. Just stay here for a while. But Eliezer was not going to have any of that because he was told specifically, go and find a wife for my son Isaac and bring her here. One other thing that he was told by Abraham is, Isaac is not going to go where she is. She needs to come here. So now Rebecca had a choice. Do you want to stay with your family, where you are, continue doing what you do, or are you willing to take that step forward? Go to a place that you haven't been before, to be with a man you know nothing about, and to be part of a family that you don't even know if you like. In-laws sometimes known as outlaws, depending on how you like them, okay? But it, was in, but it was her choice. And this, my friends, is what I really want to bring out. We have that choice, just like Rebecca. So Rebecca says, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, get, I'll go, ahead and, and go and get married. All right, let's leave tomorrow. And Laban was like, no, you really need to stay here. And they, and they said, Rebecca needs to have some time to say goodbye to her friends. You know, they didn't have social media back then. It was like, okay, because I'm sure she wants to go and say goodbye over there. Maybe her friends want to throw her a going-away party. Who knows? And uh, Eliezer said, you can't, I'm not going to stay. I am leaving tomorrow. And then he looks at Rebecca, and he says, Rebecca, will you go with me? Rebecca's family all says, stay. You want to say goodbye to your friends. It'll give us time with you one last time. Stay. And the moment that she decides, she says, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave with him immediately. Wow. I mean, I'm having to deal with my youngest kid moving out next year. Tell me, it's kind of scary. I mean, seriously. Knowing that she was going like that, she made the commitment, she went. And 
she had no idea what was in store for her. Taking away from this, when we ask God to open doors to show us the way, and we believe he will provide, he will deliver on what we ask for because he knows what we need beforehand. He has already put things in the works. He already had Rebecca going down to get water. She could have gone down 30 minutes later and missed the whole thing. She could have gone down an hour before and never even seen Eliezer, but she was there. God puts people in our lives. He puts us in people's lives at the exact moment that they or we need them. It also teaches us to not be afraid to ask for big things. So many of us ask for smaller things, right? They, oh, please, you know. God wants us to open our hearts to him. He wants us to pour out all of our problems. Man, he is a great therapist because he never tells anybody what I tell him. And yet he gives me an inner peace that passes all understanding. Also, it teaches us servant leadership to go above and beyond. Don't, don't look for what you're going to get. Kind of like John F. Kennedy, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for you. What, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And I'm not expecting anything in return. The final thing, though, is when God calls us, when he says it's time, we need to be ready to commit and go. We can't say, well, wait a minute, God, you know, I'm doing really well on this project over here, and I, I would love it if you could just give me a couple more days to finish it up. When God says, I need you over here, be ready to go. Go, jump into it. It's your faith. It shows that you believe in him and that he can trust you to do what he wants us to do. Diligence in little things builds our foundation for the big things. God opens the doors that we cannot see or even conceive that they exist. Think about that. If I said 50 years ago that we're going to have little devices that could be computers in our hands as a prophecy, people would call me whacked out. I, we, we don't even know what is possible with God. But most importantly, we need to tell God, I am ready, I will go when you call. Thank you.